Welcome back to the Fourth Way Podcast. Today we are going to continue our discussion on means and ends by taking a look at another specific instance uh, in the real world and evaluating it. In the last episode, we talked about self-defense and whether or not self-defense in church was something that um, would, whose means worked with the ends that the church is trying to pursue. In this episode, we're going to actually have a two-part series, and it is going to be on the issue of spanking. Now, it's a, it's a two-part series because this has been a struggle for me. So actually, in part one today, what we're going to do is I'm going to kind of lay out my thinking, historical thinking as to the positive case for spanking and just kind of lay out the landscape. And then in the the next episode, I'm going to take a look at the case against spanking. Now, for me, spanking is something which I never questioned as an issue. Because, in part, I think, because I was never abused. Um, When I received a spanking, it wasn't more than two or three swats, and I always deserved it. And uh, it didn't happen that often, as far as I remember it. Everyone in our community spanked. It was just a normal thing. It's what happens when you're disobedient. My parents loved me, and there was never any doubt in my mind that spankings did and spankings did nothing to make me doubt that. Now, fast forward to my parenting years. Catalina, my wife, and I went into parenting with no reservations about spanking as as a form of discipline. It just was something that we had both experienced personally, and we didn't have any baggage from it. And so why why not use it? It seems like it's always been used throughout history, and uh, anybody who has an issue with it is probably because of their negative experience with it. However, when our youngest child was still pretty young, maybe two, uh, I started to study nonviolence a lot. And I concluded that nonviolence was the appropriate response of a Christian to the teachings of Christ. And it was at that point that spanking really started to become questioned in my mind as far as its consistency with a nonviolent ethic. Now, before we get into the nonviolence aspect of this, I know that some of you are thinking that I'm an idiot for not questioning spanking due to the research, which shows that it has an adverse impact on kids. Yes, I did know the research, especially going through education to be a teacher. I mean, I understood that spanking was was being highly criticized. But I, I never found a study which I thought was done well. Now, they might exist now, but... As far as I had ever been pointed to any studies, I, I never really thought that they were studies done well. Having taken research and design, methodology, stats, all that stuff, I understand, um, even if very basically, that it is easy to make a study say whatever you want it to say. There's so many variables, and um, no matter what study I saw come out on spanking, I thought all of them had some pretty significant blind spots. So, for example... A lot of the studies would have loose definitions for what they considered corporal punishment, whether that was failing to define define the severity of it, like how many spanks, how hard was a spank, uh, the conditions leading up to it. So like um, did a parent just get mad and just rail on their kids or 
was there a process? Was it um, the kid wasn't ever held down? The kid had to come and accept the punishment, and the parent would wait for that, and there'd be a conversation about what was wrong. There'd be restoration. Like It, it says nothing about the process. It's, it's just basically, did you spank your kid? And that that there's a very broad range of what that could look like. So yes, I know what the studies say, but again, maybe they're out there and you can point me to a study that um that defines everything really well and measures things well. Um but I just I haven't seen anything that isn't suspect. The other issue that I I had with maybe not the studies, but um kind of the philosophy that was coming down the pipes was um, just this I, this idea that, okay, we get rid of spanking, and what do you replace it with? And I know this is probably a caricature or straw man, but some of the things that I was seeing were kind of like, you know, don't tell your kids bad or good. Don't say don't. What we need to do is we need to say, I don't prefer that. I don't like that. And coming from my background, that seemed really soft. Like, no, there is objective right and wrong. There are issues, and we need to address those. We're not going to beat around the bush of what is good and what is bad. Um, we can still be humble in, you know, in some of our bigger discussions about good and bad, but as far as children and obedience go, um, I mean, there, there's there's some clarity that we need to provide for, for the kids, and it's not something that we're just going to let let it be kind of uh, mumbo-jumbo-y, it seemed to me. So I didn't like the alternatives that were being offered to spanking. Another big issue I had with the anti-spanking group was that it seemed almost like counter-gnostic and materialistic to me, like with an emphasis on the flesh as opposed to, you know, the soul. And I, I wondered all the time why spanking was considered this horrendous form of discipline while a timeout wasn't. Spankings were immediate. They lasted less time. They produced momentary physical pain, minor physical pain. It wasn't injury. Um, timeouts, on the other hand, were more drawn out. They were prolonged. And they produced emotional pain. During a timeout, kids could be wondering how angry their parents were, if they were loved anymore, and all that other kind of stuff. Especially if the parent disciplined with this method out of anger because you can you can put a kid in timeout out of anger just like you can spank a kid out of anger. So why was momentary physical pain horrible while longer and potentially as severe emotional pain was not considered as bad? And it seemed to me that that the physical as the ultimate was a part of the explanation for why everybody was so against spanking. You know, I, I can't prove that that's the case, but it seemed like a very materialistic assumption that um, because the body is all that is, a material is all that exists, therefore we need to make sure that what it feels and experiences is good, almost hedonistic, I guess. Now, I, I know that, that Christians wouldn't say that like when you address it that way, but I, I just couldn't understand why physical pain was just absolute evil, while other forms of pain were acceptable. It just didn't make sense to me. So in summary, I was wary of the philosophy behind demonizing a disciplinary method, which wasn't controlled well, 
it hadn't harmed me, and it seemed to have a philosophical bias against it in the medical community. And those were my reservations with throwing off spanking. But at the same time, I was really struggling with the logic of, of nonviolence and, and its implications for spanking, as well as um, just noticing anecdotally that it was difficult for me not to spank out of anger. If there was a right way to spank, I wasn't sure that I was doing it the right way a lot of the time. There were plenty of times when I used spanking, maybe not always out of anger, sometimes for sure, but I used spanking because it was easy, and I wanted to be punitive. You know, I was put out, um, and so I wanted to make sure that um, my kid knew that there was a consequence for that, and they needed to, um, to feel that. However, you know, anger, seeking convenience, and wanting to be punitive isn't something which goes away simply by changing forms of punishments. You know, you might have heard me say, say that I was punitive or angry in my spanking and, and gasped and said, oh my, you know, he, what, what is he doing to his kids? And, um, but you, you don't lose those things when you implement other forms of punishment. You can isolate your kids. You can um, try to make things painful for them and not really seek formative punishments. And you can do that in various ways. Now, the thing with spanking is that, of course, um, it could probably lead to abuse more quickly if you can just fly off the handle and hit too hard or, or something. Um, I'm sure that, that there are more pitfalls there in that case. But uh, uh, other, other methods can certainly be abused in a similar manner. And whereas sometimes if I implemented timeout or something um, and... I, I did it out of anger or to be punitive, there's a distancing aspect in that, which is not only helpful for your kids, but perhaps is even more helpful for you as a parent. And um, it, it's harder to abuse that when your form of discipline has built into it uh, some distance so that you have the ability to think more clearly apart from your emotions. So despite initially not having an inherent problem with spanking, when I became a parent, I began to recognize that it was definitely something which, if wielded, needed to be wielded very carefully and probably in a limited fashion. But there was still that, that nagging aspect of nonviolence. Nonviolence made me question whether spanking was a good method to use, period. And my heart had shown me that it was dangerous to wield uh, spanking. And after studying nonviolence, it made me wonder if it was even fruitful to wield it. Now, I, I hope you didn't come to this episode looking for an answer because I, I still struggle with this a lot. So rather than give answers, what I want to do is I want to give you a few of the lines of thinking I've been working through as you consider the issue. So we're going to go through my lines of thinking, which are more pro-spanking or just kind of mulling the issue over. And then in the next uh, in the next episode, I'm going to make a case against spanking. Not from studies, but from theology, philosophy, logic. 
So first of all, let's talk a little bit about means and ends. This season has been about the means and the ends. Physical force might produce physical restraint, but it doesn't fix the heart. When you shoot a man who crosses a border, you may make him physically stay away from that border, or he might begin recoiling at the sound of gunfire of bullets, um, but his desire to cross that border won't change. This is, this is a Pavlovian response, right? Pavlov's dogs didn't stop desiring food. They just stopped pursuing it after shock, after shock, after shock, after shock, right? They just stopped pursuing it because they, they thought it was fruitless. If I spank my kids for throwing food on the floor, they may stop throwing food on the floor. I can condition them to do this. But I'm only getting the desired action I want, not the desired heart. Now, the same thing could be said of timeout and other forms of discipline. Having a kid sit in a chair has really no connection. It might, might make their future responses Pavlovian if they don't want to uh, sit in a chair. They'd rather be playing, right? It's, it's very easy for us to use Pavlovian sorts of responses, and that's an argument that some people make against spanking and, and perhaps other forms of discipline. However, what, what I would have argued is that uh, this, this Pavlovian sort of response isn't a bad thing, per se. And that's because change of behavior is often going to come before a change of heart. So I was talking with, uh, with one of my wife's professors when she was getting her, her apologetics degree, and um, the, the topic of doxastic voluntarism came up. I had never heard that word before, but it's really simple. Doxastic voluntarism is just, can you choose to want what you want? You know, can you, if you hate sushi, can you just say, um, I want to like sushi, therefore I will. No, you, you can't change your desires. Desires aren't something that you will to change. The way that you begin to like sushi, uh, just like a lot of people who begin to like black coffee or beer or whatever it is, um, you begin to like it by participating in it, by consuming it. And desires tend to change with exposure. I remember in, in um, a psychology class I took in college, the same thing's true of interactions with people. The professor was like, you want to get somebody to like you more? You get more exposure to them. Same thing with information. If you want to study for a test, if you want something to be stuck in your head more so than just crammed in there for a moment... Um, instead of cramming for three hours, if you study five times, 20 minutes each, you're going to be spending less time studying and actually be more productive in your study. Your, the information is going to stay in your head more because you have more exposure to it. We, we can kind of see the same things with spiritual disciplines too. You know, We might say, I just don't desire to pray. It's hard for me to pray because I don't desire it. Well, you pray and you keep praying, and then your desire for prayer will grow as you do it with more frequency. Um, so we, we do our spiritual disciplines this way. And it seems to me that as far as discipline goes, just because something is Pavlovian in and of itself doesn't mean that it's not a formative tool. 
if I am doing something merely as a punitive measure, um, and I just want my kid to feel pain, okay, that's that's a problem, and that that's not really going to teach something. But if my kid is going to associate certain forms of pain, whether that's physical pain or uh, emotional pain or you know not getting what they want, whatever type of pain you want to consider that, um, if they have memorable moments associated, negative memorable moments associated with their disobedience and actions which can be harmful to themselves, then that could be a catalyst for producing spiritual ends. So another another way to put this might be as the actions go, the heart will follow or the desires will follow. Um, as they start to obey more and experience success in obedience, then um, being out of obedience will be something that uh, not only will they just try to avoid not to get disciplined, but they're going to desire to do that less. So as, as I was thinking about that, though, um, that seemed to be a problem for me because if physical means of discipline can be important to alter the behavior, which may then alter spiritual desires, that seems to be counter to what this whole series, this whole podcast is really about. If I accept a physical means as helpful to spiritual ends with my kids why wouldn't I accept that in society, like with prisons or police forces or armies or whatever? I think authority is going to have a big role to play in this. Now, if God said to leave vengeance up to him, then it's not in our authority to do this to other men and women. Well, it might be in our purview as parents for two reasons. First of all, um, because as a, a parent... I have natural innate authority over my kids, God-given authority over my kids, whereas uh, I don't have God-given authority over other human beings, maybe. Um, the other way that you could look at this is that I'm, I'm not taking out vengeance on my kids. Um, it's not punitive, or it shouldn't be. It should be formative. I am disciplining, and disciplining is not punitive judge, judgment. Um, it's not vengeance. And so using minor physical discomfort or other forms of discomfort uh, as, as correctives, that's not going to be taking vengeance on somebody. That's not retribution. It's formative, and it's under my pur- purview as a, a parent, as an authority who is over my children. And, and perhaps one of the biggest differences, especially if we're going to be talking about like armies and things, is that, um, I mean, very, very clearly in those sorts of actions, especially war, the end is destruction, annihilation, uh, overpowering of another. It's not formation uh, of, of another for their good, and it's not love of another, even if Augustine thought that maybe that was the case somehow. Parenting a child is is very different than that. It's not vengeance, it's not war, it's not annihilation. With our own children, um, as authority figures over them, we use discipline formatively rather than punitively. 
and the discipline is is relatively minor in scope. You know, the the last sort of thought that I would have on on spanking would be to question really what is violence, and you're going to get different answers from different people. There are lots of different definitions of what violence is. Um, is picking your enraged kid up who's throwing a tantrum, picking them up physically and placing them in a chair or holding them down so that they don't break things, is that violence? Are you doing violence to them? You're using physical force to overpower them. Is that violence? And you hear the same question in with nonviolence if there's an aggressor in your home. Is trying to subdue them violence? Is uh, kicking them in the shin to run away? Is that violence? Is that does that constitute violence? Um, th- there, there's a big discussion on what constitutes violence in the nonviolent community. Um, m- many pacifists are going to consider violence as something which is injurious. So an appropriate spank will not be physically injurious, while a timeout which is not accompanied by a talk, by love, by appropriate limitations or other considerations could be deemed injurious to the child's emotions. So there, uh, one of the things I really like about nonviolence is that a lot of times Christian nonviolence, they will talk about violence not just as a physical thing, but as, as uh, there are other ways to do violence to somebody. And we're beginning to recognize that with, with spousal abuse, verbal abuse. Um, but there, there are many ways that you can do violence to somebody. So a spank on the rear end that is appropriate is going to sting for five seconds, and it's not going to be injurious, but it might be memorable. Um, whereas a timeout could be injurious, Right? Is one violence and the other not? Um, what is violence? Because violence is more complex than, than we might like to think, and it might not be determined by, by seeing that something physically stings a little. That might not be violence. Physical pain might not be injurious, while an action that brings no physical pain might be severely injurious. I hope you can see that that this issue is relatively complex. It's not just as easy as, oh well, he hits his kid, so that is, you know, that's abuse or that's terrible. Um, there's a lot more that goes on in terms of what violence is, how people are formed, motivations behind our discipline, and all that kind of stuff. So, in the end, is spanking violence, and should we use it if we adhere to nonviolence? I think that's a great question, and I honestly don't know. I'm going to give you a case against it in the next episode, but yeah, I still struggle with, with some of the implications of these things that we discussed here today. What I do know, though, is that as a parent, I often do injury to my children, regardless of what type of punishment I use. I've never spanked my kids too hard that it would be considered abuse. I didn't even come close to that. But did I do it with rage in my eyes at times? Yeah, I did. Um, and I'm sure that that I, I injured my kids through my anger, my display of anger. I did the same thing when I put them in timeout or picked them up and took them out of a tantrum and put them in timeout, raised my voice, whatever I did. Um, I have been injurious 
to my children, and that's wrong, and, and they are things that I have gone to them and repented for after I, di- after I did it. I also know that I tend towards easy punishments. I tend to be punitive rather than formative. I tend to punish in my anger. I think those are things that most parents could say has it have occurred at least sometimes. Um, and hopefully this episode will be good for all of us, regardless of what disciplinary methods we use, to reflect on uh, our anger. Because Jesus tells us that if we've been inappropriately angry, we've murdered. And especially if somebody's nonviolent, to know that how many people we've murdered is, um, is humbling and convicting, especially when we consider how many times we've murdered our own kids in our hearts. I hope this has been a good discussion to help you evaluate your discipline in parenting. It's a complex issue, but it is one of utmost importance. I look forward to putting out the second episode on the case against spanking next. That's all for now. So peace, and because I'm a pacifist in every aspect of my life except parenting, when I say it, I usually mean it. <laughs>